Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, it's okay. You're addicted to Dynasty, and I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I am a Dynasty Freak. That's a freak with two E's. It's a long explanation. Anyway, you know I love the NFL. I watch every game every week. I love drafting, trading, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty. And here's what we have in store today on episode number 59. I'm finally going to do my very last rookie draft analysis because this is the weekend, Labor Day weekend. It is my second most favorite weekend. It kind of competes with that in my family reunion, the two most favorite weekends that I have of the year because Labor Day is when the freaks gather together. This is where we get the Dynasty Freak name because my original uh, league of 22 years of my closest college friends from the University of Texas, we get together every Labor Day and we have our annual rookie draft. Like I said already, this is year number 22 in a row. Such a great uh, group of guys and such a fun weekend and such a great tradition that we have together. Uh, we all started this as a keeper league way back 22 years ago when no one was doing even keeper league stuff. And we slowly migrated to become a full out to dynasty league. And this is my only dynasty league that I have draft this late and largely because we want to draft together. Like it's something that we've done for 22 years. And so this is an exception to my normal drafts that take place in May or some even in June to have this draft here face to face uh, in the same room together with all these great longtime friends of more than 25 years with these guys. And so, uh, we had our draft this weekend, and so what I want to do in this episode is actually grade my draft, tell you who I drafted and why, and kind of how my team looked before and how it looked afterward. I lost uh, both nights early in poker, so it gave me some time to write an article, post it to the website, and uh, now we're bringing you the audio version of it as well. I'll say first that this is a 10-team, one-quarterback league. And so here's what I was thinking kind of going into the draft, and then I'll tell you uh, the players that I drafted and then what I, what I think about those players. Uh, my team was pretty solid at quarterback, particularly in a one-quarterback lead. I had uh, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, and Joe Flacco, and I was pretty solid at tight end with George Kittle, Kyle Rudolph, Chris Herndon, and Ian Thomas. I was also pretty strong at running back because I had McCaffrey and Carrion and James Conner, um, and I had some of their handcuffs in C.J. Anderson to back up Carrion, Jalen Samuels for Conner, um, where I really felt like I lacked uh, depth. In this, in this league is at my wide receiver position because I have DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen, kind of my only two every other week starters, but I don't have a really solid third receiver and let alone the depth behind it, just kind of rotating people in and out to try to find someone who hits. I have D.D. Westbrook in the wide receiver three, three spot heading into week one here. I still feel pretty confident actually in his upside this season to really improve, but I really went into the draft thinking I want to target wide receivers. I didn't have one of the top three picks. If I did, I would probably definitely grab a running back right there. Um, you know, the, the typical Jacob Sanders and Montgomery. But I had picked number six uh, traditionally throughout this uh, five-round rookie draft. And so I just decided I was actually going to go uh, wide receiver heavy and hope to load up on wide receivers to see if I can't in this year or certainly like in the next two or three years find someone who can be a solid wide receiver three or even work themselves into a starting position every week. I think that Keenan Allen's starting to get a little bit older. I think Hopkins still has a ton of upside, so I'm not worried about him. But also I have a little bit of worry for my wide receiver too. All that to say, it's going wide receiver heavy in this draft, trying to stay honest and stick to my board as best as I could too. 
but leaning toward wide receiver. So here's how it went down. At pick number 1.6, I got A.J. Brown. I was finally able to get the guy that I had as my number one ranked rookie wide receiver. Now, uh, I had him ranked number one, and then the NFL draft happened, and man, I hated it when he was drafted by Tennessee because I don't trust Mariota to make him productive. Uh, while I was on the clock, even um, in, a, in a draft earlier this May, I actually passed on on uh, Brown just because I was a little nervous about it, and I picked my uh, one of my other favorite wide receivers instead in Debo Samuel. I considered uh, this in this draft, though, that it was just time to go ahead and get him. Um, really, because I think I have a that what I'm trying to do here with all these rookies is really have a long-term plan, um, and I hope that it's possible that Tannehill beats out Mariota. Or really, maybe that the organization, after another year, goes just a completely different way in drafting another quarterback. I feel like Brown is about as safe a prospect as can be. He's just going to take him time to see it. Um, so in this case, I was very willing to wait, um, wait for the couple years to take for him to actually prove himself. Um, I had another picket of 1.08 that I'll mention here in a minute via trade. And so that also let me be more willing to, to play the long game knowing that I had another pick that I could take a stab at um, there at 1.08. I really believe that Brown can ultimately surpass Corey Davis and become the go-to wide receiver in Tennessee. I really think that he can. I think he's better. Yeah, it's just going to take him a year or two to do it. Uh, Corey Davis, of course, hasn't shown that he can really do it himself, but that could all be linked to Mariota. Two picks later, at 1.8, I picked Debo Samuel. Um, I acquired this pick in the middle of the offseason by trading Derek Henry. So in the middle of the offseason last year, I traded Derrick Henry uh, for 1.08, and now I couldn't be happier with how it played out. Um, at this point in the preseason, I had actually had Debo moved up ahead of Nikhil Harry in my rankings, so I walked away with my number one and my number two ranked wide receivers um, in this rookie draft last weekend. Unlike Brown, I think Debo will have every opportunity to prove himself right away. I think even by midseason, he'll be competing with Pettis for the most wide receiver targets. If he can stay healthy which of course has been the problem for him, he'll have plenty of opportunities for explosive plays. He's just super fast, super quick, hard to tackle. Uh, that's how he kind of made his living in college. Uh, we've already seen that Shanahan wants to use Debo in, in specific ways. He saw in the preseason several screen passes, some end rounds. Um, I think he's going to prove to be a weapon that Shanahan will just have to keep on the field, either to target him or honestly even to use him as a decoy. I think once he shows some playmaking ability like that, uh, he and Pettis are going to be the leading receivers there um, in San Francisco. Next, we go to the second round, and I had picked 2-6, but what I did is I actually traded to get to pick number 2.2, where I drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So here's how this went down. I acquired this pick very, via a very aggressive trade. I had four tight ends on my team, and I really just prefer in a 30-man roster not to have any more than three tight ends particularly since I had Kittle, who really is never going to leave my starting lineup minus an injury. I'd been trying to shop uh, Kyle Rudolph all season, like especially to the owner who had Kelsey and had no uh, other kind of depth at his um, tight end position. And so I finally struck a deal during the draft by offering Rudolph plus Golden Tate for this pick. So these two players, kind of proven players for pick number 2.2, which I turned into J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I know it's a super aggressive trade. Um, let me give you a couple reasons why I was willing to do it. One was that Rudolph was just a roster clogger for me. I couldn't drop him. I couldn't find anyone that would want to take him in a trade. I was kind of waiting maybe that I could, a tight end would get injured or something like that uh, during the offseason or in the preseason games, and then maybe finally I could trade him. But there was no market for him in my league. And so I couldn't trade him, and I wasn't just going to drop him. 
Um, and I really loved Herndon and Thomas as the younger upside guys on my team. And so I just had to get rid of him, wanted to get rid of him. My thought on Tate is that he could possibly become that wide receiver three for me um, right away, um, given he has after his uh, four-game suspension. But I just feel like he's a much older asset, and I just wanted to get younger. My goal here was to get a lot of young wide receivers, knowing that some of them aren't going to pan out, but I'm hoping that two or three will really hit. And so, plus, add to that, add to that the fact that um, in this league, this is kind of a different than most of your uh, rookie drafts. You know, most of our rookie drafts, we draft five or six players, and you hold them until, like, this week when there's cutdowns and you have to cut five players. But since this draft is so late, the way that we do it is when you pick a player, you have to drop a player. And so in this draft, I, I had seven scheduled draft picks, but I really liked my team and did, couldn't think of seven players on my team that I wanted to drop. And so this was also partly for me that I wanted to drop, I wanted to kind of get rid of two players for the price of one. So I got rid of two, got one, and now I don't have to get away, you know, give away that seventh player or just pass on a pick at the end of the draft. Those were the reasons why I did it. But all that to say, that's just all of the kind of thinking that went behind it. But the fact is, uh, what really motivated me to do it was I love J.J. J.J.'s upside is, uh, is so good. He's a major red zone threat. Uh, that last preseason game where he just balled out was so fun to watch. I, I actually, I, you've heard me say this before, there's a few scouting departments that I really trust, and I really trust the Philadelphia scouting department. When they get a guy, I always pay attention because they have plans on how to use him. The scouting department and the coaching staff also are the type that will actually use players' strengths and coach to their strengths. And so I think he's going to be a red zone target early. He's probably not going to break out completely this year, but I think that at the end of this year, it's going to be really clear that they can let a lot of their veteran, probably even two of their veteran receivers go at the end of this year because our Sega Whiteside is going to be set to be an unchallenged starter next year. Now we move to 2.6. So 2.6 was my original draft pick, and here's where I got my guy, Damian Harris. So Harris was my number four ranked running back after the big three of Jacobs, Sanders, and Montgomery. And, man, I was thrilled to have him uh, fall to me here at the 16th pick. True that Sony Michelle has looked great this preseason, uh, but I also believe that he's going to get hurt eventually. Um, add to that the fact that Michelle was among the worst-rated running backs in short-yarded situations. Harris really could become right away the goal line back in New England, which always turns into fantasy gold in New England. They score so many uh, gold, you know, first and gold, you know, so many gold gain uh, touchdowns with their running backs. Harris was actually my number eighth ranked player overall heading into this late rookie draft. Arcega Whiteside was nine, but I picked him before Harris when I traded up just because I knew that I loved Harris more than anyone else. And so if all the other guys in the room are looking at someone else's rankings online, hopefully not mine, they must not have been, um, they're going to be looking at other players besides Harris. And I was pretty confident that Harris would fall to me four picks later. So I grabbed my number nine player, Arcega Whiteside, before I grabbed Harris. And what made me so happy at this point, just looking at round one and round two, uh, is that this was pick number 16, and at that time I had already drafted my number four, five, eight, and nine ranked players. So not bad, and it was two trades, one in the offseason and one during the draft that made it possible. I got my number four, eight, and nine guys before the 16th pick. Now we get to where the draft didn't go quite as how I had planned. And uh, round number three, I had the 3.6, You'll see I also had 3.9 via another trade that I made in the offseason. 3.6, I picked Miles Boykin. This is the round where I got sniped. I was really eager to grab Keyshawn Johnson, who was my, one of my highest risers on my board from May until today. 
So one of the things that was fun to do when I went into this draft is I kind of redid my rookie board. I still have on the website my original rookie board, like as it would be from April, because I want to always point people to that and be honest with, hey, here's how I had them ranked um, just after the NFL draft. I'm going to hold that there. But I did kind of a re-ranking now that I'm heading into this Labor Day draft, now that we've seen preseason games and other things have happened. And one of the highest risers was Keyshawn Johnson. And so I was really targeting him in the third round. But my buddy and my co-manager, so we know each other pretty well in my Reality Sports Online League, we co-manage a team. My buddy Dave picked him right before me. So I was bummed about that, and uh, he was smart to do it. The next two guys on my board actually were Andy Isabella and Miles Boykin. And so I was at the spot right there where I was trying to decide who I would pick between those two. And even though I had Isabella ranked higher in the moment, you know, when you're kind of on the clock, you make a decision. I started thinking about the news that Isabella's been struggling to pick up the offense a bit during the preseason and the fact that um, much, the much bigger Boykin is a much better red zone threat. That's what led me to choose Boykin here. I didn't have anything close to, he didn't have anything close to the college production that Isabella did. Isabella's college production was off the charts. But he was even better than Isabella, who was also off the charts in his combine numbers. So in his combine numbers, Miles Boykin was the combine standout, even above the incredible combine standout that Isabella was. So it remains to be seen, of course, if Lamar Jackson can improve and become a more accurate passer. But Boykin has the frame and the athleticism to make up for Lamar Jackson's mistakes. And so I hope, uh, I hope so here in the third round. That's why I drafted him. Getting to 3.9, let me tell you about how I acquired this pick. I acquired the 3.9 pick via trade in the offseason. I did so using one of my favorite little offseason strategies. Um, so after uh, Le'Veon Bell signed with the Jets, I offered the Bell owner, Elijah McGuire, for this 3.9 pick so that he could have Bell's presumed handcuff. That's one thing I like to do a lot. Like if I don't think a guy's ever really going to start for me, particularly in this league where I was strong at running back, once Bell goes somewhere, I look to see who has Bell and see if I can't offer the handcuff to someone for a draft pick. And, of course, Elijah McGuire is not a great you know, candidate, so that's why I only, off, I only offered to try to get 3.9. I just thought, hey, I'll take two, two three-round, third-round draft picks and see what I can do with it for a guy that is not going to start for me or maybe even dropped. Well, he took me up on it. I did get to give him a little bit of grief during the draft because now we know uh, Ty Montgomery is actually the backup there in, uh, for the Jets. And so it does not look good for him. So I gave him a little bit of grief during the draft. But here's what it came down to uh, for me. In this point, 3.9, I picked Terry McLaurin. Um, McLaurin, it seems like by all accounts, he's earned a starting role with Washington. Of course, I've not seen it because he's not been playing in the preseason games. But I'm just going to trust, one, the beat reporters who keep saying that he's been the standout. And I'm going to go based on the evidence that they cut Josh Doxson uh, during, this last, um, during this last weekend at the cuts. So... I think that they have stated pretty clearly that McLaurin is their guy. And so I've come away with McLaurin in several of my rookie drafts this offseason. I don't know, I just must value him a little bit higher than everyone, but I've got him in, I think, four of my seven leagues. And so I just hope he can play like he presumably practices, right? If he can play like he practices, he's going to be good. Moving to the fourth round here. Uh, fourth round, I drafted uh, Kelvin Harmon. So I got sniped in this round, too. My whole aim in round four was to, to get Preston Williams. I thought with this league that maybe people wouldn't be knowing who he was very much yet, and I might get him. But instead, in the fourth round, I couldn't wait. I was waiting until 4.6, but my buddy Ross took him at 4.1. That means I only have Preston Williams in one of my seven dynasty teams, which makes me sad. I had to adjust uh, and take a flyer on Harmon here, so that's what I did. 
This is the thing with Harmon. If you followed me for very long before the common uh, combine, rather, you know that I had Harmon as my number one ranked rookie wide receiver. So just based on college tape before there was the combine, I had him as my number one ranked rookie wide receiver. But then after his bad performance in the combine, I dropped him a little bit. But then after getting drafted not until the sixth round of the NFL draft, I dropped him significantly after that. And so I decided, though, to take a shot on him here for, for two reasons. Uh, first, I just want to trust my evaluation before the combine. So I just, you know, I loved him so much before the combine and before the draft. You do have to let those affect your rankings, so I have. But I just want to go back to my original thoughts when I saw him on film. And secondly, um, now I actually have three Washington wide receivers. I have Trey Quinn that was already on my team that I drafted McLaurin, and now I have Harmon. And this is one of the things I like to do with wide receivers, uh, too. It's not really, I wouldn't necessarily call it a handcuff, but if you have kind of late-round guys to get several receivers on one team, you can see pretty early in the season which one of them's going to be the best, and you can drop the other one. And so I'm willing to take that chance, even though Washington looks to be a pretty pathetic offense. You could argue the other way around, though. They could be behind in a lot of games, which means the receivers are going to get a lot of action. So I'm going to get to see whether Quinn, McLaurin, or Harmon uh, can really step up and make something of themselves there in Washington because I have all three of them on this very uh, bad Redskins team. We'll see what happens with that. Moving on, uh, the very next pick, actually 4.7. Um, this was not a pick that I had, but it's a pick that I obtained uh, via a trade. This is what's fun. It's always rewarding when someone in your draft is searching for a player that they've been reading up on and eager to draft, only to find that you already have him on your roster. Isn't that fun? So that's what happened here. Because our draft, we can draft, like most of your drafts, I'm sure, you can draft rookies or any available free agent. Um, that's what happened here. This guy was starting to hear the buzz on Dare Ogunbowale. But I actually have Ogunbowale on almost all of my dynasty teams because I picked him up a week and a half or so ago. So when this owner, Steve, was hoping to draft Ogunbowale, but I already had him, I said, hey, he's still available if you want him. Kind of did a little looking at my roster, looking at his roster, and offered a trade to him to pick, who I did pick at number 4-7, uh, Caudre Allison, uh, the running back out of Atlanta. So I did this for a couple reasons. Uh, first, this is not a PPR league that we're in, and it feels like Ogunbowale looks to be a passing down back in Tampa Bay. And then secondly, I did it because I have Brian Hill on my roster, and I wanted to have both Hill and Allison on my team, uh, just both to see which one of them might end up becoming the handcuff to Deontay Freeman. Uh, so Devontae Freeman gets hurt pretty often, and I don't believe that Ido Smith is the backup. I thought that became really clear during the preseason. Like, it's, they kind of mixed in everybody. But I feel like Ido Smith is stuck in his role of just kind of being the chains of pace back, whereas if Freeman were to get hurt, I believe it would be the bulk of the first and second down carries would go to Hill or Allison. I loved Allison in his film in college, and so if you've read me very much, I had him as a kind of a take in a late round of your rookie drafts, and so I'm following my own advice by taking him here. I've got him in a couple other leagues now because he's just a big, big, powerful back, something they actually don't have. So very different running styles. Hill is, you know, much more, he's kind of like a souped-up version of Edo Smith, just a little more powerful and quick, where um, Allison's really just a bulldozer. And so it'll be interesting to see if Freeman, who often gets hurt, goes down. Uh, I will now have Hill and Allison on my roster to see which of them gets the work. And then finally, we get to the fifth round. In the fifth round, my regular scheduled pick, 5.6, I drafted Jared Stidham. I planned to drop Flacco in this draft already, so he was one of my seven that I planned on dropping. Um, and after I saw the news that Hoyer was let go in New England, it really confirmed that Stidham was now Tom Brady's backup and likely the future of the franchise. 
And so Stidham played awesome during the preseason, which is why they decided to, to make him be the, the primary backup there behind Tom Brady. If New England's ready to do it, I'm happy to do it. So he can sit behind Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston on my team. And so I was real happy. I had planned that a few rounds beforehand, thinking no one else would take a stab on him. And so I have patience. I have time because Ryan and Winston rarely get hurt. Um, and they've got you know many years left of their career. They'll probably play longer than Brady. So I don't think that I'll have to see make any foreseeable quarterback changes uh, for quite some time on my team. So wrapping up, here's my overall assessment. I think that I accomplished my overall goal of grabbing as many wide receivers as possible so that hopefully one or two, maybe more, could become an every week starter alongside Hopkins and Allen for me. Uh, getting uh, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Arcega Whiteside, Miles Boykin, Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harmon. I mean, that's a pretty loaded stack of receivers and so in my opinion, um, I also have Damian Harris, who I think can be a star in New England. I was way higher on him, so I love that I was able to mix in that running back. And whereas Stidham and Caldre Allison, they just provide a little bit of depth for me in case there's injuries to the starters ahead of them. Allison's probably not like a long-term play for me, but Stidham very well could be if I hold him long enough. So in total, here's what my team looks like. My quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, Jared Stidham. Like that, my running backs, Christian McCaffrey, James Conner, Kerryon Johnson, Damian Harris, Jalen Samuels, C.J. Anderson, Brian Hill, Cadre Ellison. My wide receiving group looks like this. DeAndre Hopkins, Keenan Allen, D.D. Westbrook, Trey Quinn, John Ross, Marquise Lee, Dion Kane, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, J.J. Osega-Whiteside, Miles Boykin, Terry McLaurin, and Kelvin Harmon. My tight ends are George Kittle, Chris Herndon, and Ian Thomas. My kicker, as if you care, is Jake Elliott, and my defenses are Jacksonville and the L.A. Chargers. I think I did pretty well in this draft. It's going to be fun. These are my best buddies. Shout out to Shane. Thank you for hosting us. And shout out to all my fellow freaks. That was great to spend the weekend with you and look forward to continuing our 22-year Dynasty League. I wish all of you well. Thanks so much for giving me a listen. I really would love it if you would rate and review the podcast. That would do me a big favor, help us move up the charts so that people can find us. Uh, you know I have built this, this whole website about a year now all by myself. And I'm about to start possibly doing some advertising. And so it would help if you guys were to help me out so that people can find me by writing and reviewing. Thanks so much. I hope that you will learn to trust me as your most independent and trustworthy uh, voice in the dynasty landscape. You know what to do until next time, after the games actually get played. Go out there, get free. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.